0: Welcome to the um, the first of these Wednesday seminars. Uh, Some of you have not been here before. Um, We have them every Wednesday. Uh, This being a short term, we have fewer than most. But it's a a space and a time when we and others who come, of course, can reflect on some of the dilemmas, changes, developments, trends, and so on in journalism. And uh, Lucy, who's been here before, uh, but still, still comes back, is attached to the Institute and she's uh, made leadership in media companies one of her main research um, one of her main pieces of research and she's now involved in that she's going to write a book but it's uh, not out yet Um, but she's going to talk today about something which affects you journalists us journalists quite closely and that is leadership in uh, legacy media, It is is the, the media which have been around for a while, like newspapers, magazines, uh, broadcasters, and how they're making the, the shift yep. from uh, uh, the old order to the new digital order. So many thanks again for coming. Uh, over to you. Lisa. You're
1: welcome. Um, yes, thanks, John. Um, I'm going to talk about innovation legacy media and from the perspective of the people at the top, the people who are kind of architects of what happens inside the media organisations. And the eagle-eyed of you will notice I've changed the title slightly from a couple of weeks ago. And what I've done is I've tried to fill it out, some of the management component, and really focus on, on the elements that I think could be interesting to you working in media organisations. But it is a kind of organisational perspective, so what I'm looking at is the context in which you carry out your, your journalistic endeavours. Um, and my background is I started off as a content provider in, in, in journalism, as in magazines, in, in books, and then kind of moved into academia, into researching these issues, looking particularly at strategy <laughs> in the media industry. And now I kind of have a leg in both industries. Partly I work in the media and partly I research. Um, so this picture really sums up the challenge and the research issues that fascinates me. This is an advert for the Sonny Walkman. And I think what's interesting about that is, it's hard for us to believe it now, but at some point, way back, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the Sony Walkman was an incredibly cool device. You know, Sony invented an entire new dimension of the media industry, and it owned music you walk around with, right? (coughs) 15 years later, 20 years later, we have the internet revolution, and Sony doesn't really feature at all. The, the, The company, the organization that owned music you walk around with, is no longer really a player in the whole industry. It's kind of been unseated by the technological changes. And if you look more broadly, you see this is actually a pattern. So for many of us, our first mobile phone or the first mobile phone we really wanted was a Nokia, which is almost inconceivable now, that you know, the object of real desire in mobile telephony would be Nokia. So they owned one stage of the industry on one technology, but when there was a major technology transition, they slipped down the rankings. They're still there, but they're no longer leader. Um, similarly, we still kind of surf our computers, our operating systems, on Microsoft, but we don't surf the internet with Microsoft. That position has gone to Google, and logically there's no reason why Microsoft couldn't be Google today, just as there's no reason why uh, Sony couldn't, be, couldn't have been Google. Uh, but actually, Google is stumbling with the next stage, the next dimension of, of technological development, which is social media. And you know, last week we saw the chief of social networking Google Pro, uh, Google Plus depart the company. So what we see here is Google again is stumbling when it could be come to the next stage. So I think this is a very significant pattern for legacy organisations in industry because the pattern that seems to be emerging is when there's a major shift in technology, leaders don't exactly turn into losers but slip quite badly down the rankings, and what I was very interested in is, is it possible to break this pattern? Are there anomalies? And also, what should leaders be doing in order to break the pattern? If, if, the, if, 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 if there is a way through it, what, what should leaders be doing? So, I've been interviewing for the last couple of years CEOs, Chairman, main board directors of legacy media organizations, and also a few advisors also, trying to get their insights, this is very exploratory research, it's um, grounded in theory, but now has moved wildly off into the practitioner areas, trying to understand what's really been going wrong, what do they think's been going wrong? You know, The internet is now 20 years old, 25 years old, depending on how you calculate it. They've got a long period to look back on, they've had time to reflect. What do leaders need to do to put it right? And is there a kind of ideal leadership profile emerging for legacy media organizations moving forward? And I've conducted about 36 interviews. They're kind of difficult to count because some, you get some kind of serial CEOs or chairmen who work in different sectors of the media. Um, It's also very, very unbalanced because this is an incredibly difficult sample to access. And uh, the music industry is just that, just many, many fewer CEOs of large music organizations in Europe, for example, than are broadcast in print. Um, And the advisors here, these are. Uh, These range from um, consultants, sort of partners in big consultancy practices working in the media, some investment analysts as well. And I really started talking to them when I wanted to confirm uh, conclusions that seem to be emerging. Um, Quickly, just to give you a sense of theory, just to understand where it comes from, because one of the big findings from this work is a big cleft between what theory says and what the management schools are doing in the field of leadership and what the industry really needs. And leadership is actually a nice body of theory to work with compared to some fields of management because it's very very mature and it's got a very clear trajectory. It started around the turn of the 20th century where very kind of militaristic approaches to leadership. And there's a sense that a small group of people were were inbuilt leaders, inborn leaders, and the rest of us just had to be followers. Um, In the 40s, 50s, and 60s, psychology developed, the business schools developed, and our understanding of leadership changed, and people began to think, actually, you can teach leadership. Initially, people thought it resided in a set of capabilities, and then they started to think, actually, it's to do with personality. But the sense here is that leadership can be learned. And then in the 1980s, 90s, moving on, we moved into the sort of now dominant approach to leadership, which is known as transformational and charismatic approaches to leadership. And this is These represent a fundamental different way of understanding what leadership is and therefore they see leadership as residing in the relationship (coughs) between a leader and those led. So, and what a leader does, a transformational leader does, he transforms the organisation by operating levers or she in the social architecture of the organisation. So, culture, values, mindset and by kind of changing people's motivation, getting them to buy into a new vision together, those individuals work together to change the organization's future. So it's a much more participative approach, a much more democratic approach, um, and a lot of media leaders are celebrated for this. So one of the archetypal transformational leaders, for example, is Greg Dyke. He's been profiled by a lot of management theorists, a lot of it to do with his work at the BBC, the Making It Happen initiative and so on. Transformational leadership has a kind of Jungian shadow side, which is... Uh, to do with, known as um, charismatic approaches to leadership, but also narcissistic approaches to leadership. And Steve Jobs, if you read the analysis of him, he's often actually portrayed as a kind of archetypal, charismatic, moving into narcissistic leader. So that's where the theory is coming from. If you look, actually try and look at our industry, the media industry, there's very little theory on how leadership works. And I'm just going to mention what is there, because there's two interesting kind of underlying assumptions about what, and it is a really slim, slim body theory. Management theory, there's a tiny bit of work on creative leadership, leadership in the creative industries. And the governing assumption there, or the, the hidden assumption is that creative industries, the media are a special case. And I think that's something I kind of throw out to the room as a question. Are our organizations a special case? Do they require a different approach to leadership? And in media management theory, There are two tiny streams, one on newsroom leadership, a lot of which came up in connection with Convergence, and another concept a bit dated now is the media mogul. But a like motif in all of this work is a sense that there is an inherent tension in the media industry and creative businesses between suits and creatives, and that these are unreconcilable opposites. And actually this this is, see, I'm not sure if this is a particularly British phenomenon, but it surfaced also, I think, in, in relation to the dis- discussion around the new culture sector in the UK, who, because he was a banker, there seemed to be an assumption he would never be able to, to understand the cultural industries. So that's also, I think, something I'm, I'm curious about. That's a kind of um, assumption I'm, I was cu- I'm curious to test in this work. Moving on to the interim findings, um, what I've tried to do is cherry pick from quite a lot of research um, a few elements that could be interesting here, and I hope they kind of build together into a narrative. And if they don't, I've got a lot more data, so I'm happy to answer your questions either one-on-one or in the group, but I'm going to focus really, first of all, on what legacy leaders thought, think has been going wrong, how they've been handling strategy, how they've been making plans to take their organisation forward. And this issue of innovation, which is really the core challenge, reinventing legacy media, (coughs) reinventing these organizations' structures, product portfolios, (coughs) strategies, business models, and the whole implications of that for for how these organizations are led. Um, In terms of what went wrong, this is a kind of wordle that um, I used as a kind of first attempt to digest the kind of full-text responses. Um, One of the best questions for accessing what what people thought had been going wrong was really just asking them simply, looking back at the last 10, 15 years, what do you think was your biggest mistake? What's the one thing that keeps you up at night? What's the one thing you wish, in retrospect, you'd done differently? And in at least 50% of the cases, I came up with a variant of the same answer, which is just simply our worst-case scenario wasn't bad enough. Things actually were much worse than we suspected, didn't want to suspect they were going to be at the time. (coughs) When I kind of filtered through all of these factors, um, two broad... This is our legacy media organisation trying to make it across the digital disruption. There were two broad areas of challenge for leaders. The first was inside the organisation, and the second is understanding the outside world in terms of the organi- inside the organization the challenge was what uh, people in management schools and researchers called legacy phenomena the things you've inherited the things that new players okay. like twitter and Start and um, Twi- twitter facebook quartz circa don't have to deal with and the uh, horrible irony here is a lot of these legacy phenomena were assets strategic assets till relatively recently So these can be very tangible things, like printing presses, like fleets of delivery trucks. They can be medium tangible things, like um, skills, competency profiles. They can be quite subtle things, like performance targets and KPIs that are keeping the attention of the whole organization on existing markets and ruling out attention on new business areas. Or they can be mindset. They can be cultural things. Um, So what I'm going to do is look at these first and then look at the second area which is really strategic issues, understanding the environment. Um, Now in terms of capabilities, problems with capabilities and skills, a lot of the discussion around the challenges for legacy media have focused on having the wrong skill set at the content creation level. one of the interesting things to emerge from this research is that this challenge was mirrored right up at the top of the organisation, actually around the boardroom table. And so there was a problem around the fact that actually <coughs> members, members of the management, senior leaders in the organisation, also had the wrong skill set. Um, so here you've got a team, you've probably got a team which is expert in managing the traditional cash cow, but they don't have the skills and experience <coughs> to work in the new digital world, and no one wants to be told they're in the past. Now what what was interesting about that is this was actually a personal problem, an emotional issue for some of the people I talked with. And when we talked around how they responded to that, it seemed that in some media organizations, a kind of um, quiet decision, perhaps not even an overt decision was made to let some of the (coughs) members of the board or the executive team who are a couple of years off retirement sit where they are and then let the next generation deal with the problem, which is a kind of an elegant solution, diplomatic solution, a humanitarian solution, but brought a very high opportunity cost in terms of the speed at which these organisations actually started to grapple with the challenge they were facing. And, And there is a kind of valley of death that needs to be got through relatively speedily and ideally got across while your legacy revenues are still holding out. So this was actually as I said, a kind of humanitarian response, but, but had quite a high opportunity cost associated with it. Um, more <coughs> subtle in terms of legacy hurdles, legacy uh, derailing factors, was actually just the problem in terms of understanding the profound nature of the change that was taking place. You know, a, a paradigm shift such as has taken place in the media industry over the last <coughs> 15 20 years is, is a very rare occurrence. Um, and a number of interviewees mentioned, you know, the picture from the Roadrunner cartoons where you have the coyote running over the cliff and hasn't realized that the, actually the cliff has disappeared, he's running over it, um running in, in air. So a lot of people at the top had lived through a 20-year monster boom and therefore quite resistant to the idea that the whole thing might be coming to an end. And one... Uh, leader of a legacy media organization in in continental Europe said that he still had board members saying, well, you know, maybe one day we'll wake up and this whole internet will have been a dream. But that was the kind of (laughs) level (laughs) at which people were, were they just didn't really want to accept what was going on. If we come into strategy, um, strategy is clearly, you know, the plan by which you get from A to B. And this is really one of the core tasks of leaders of legacy media. And what was interesting when I asked how strategy has been in recent years, is the picture I got was really radically different from what you read about in terms of what good strategy work is about, what the big consultancies do in terms of good strategy work. And what emerged is a very kind of piecemeal, patchy, series of of, um, opportunistic responses to challenges that don't really conform with what one thinks of in terms of a grand strategy. Um, retrofitted, you know, looking back, there's a kind of logic behind what we did, but it didn't feel like there was any logic present when we were doing it. Uh, lots and lots of little projects. Rebuilding the airplane in mid-flight seems to be the idiom used by the music industry. I think because they were hit by the internet first. And this is, of course, the kind of fundamental challenge for legacy media. They have to carry on with the old and build out the new at the same time. So, they have actually a fundamentally a much more complicated challenge than the startups. Um, one common element in all of the strategic responses is cost cutting. I, I didn't find any organization that hadn't been involved in moderate or extreme cost cutting, and, and that was still on the agenda in a lot of places. Um, and again, interestingly, actually interestingly in business schools in general, it's, it's an area that's not addressed, how to cut costs, cut costs intelligently. I mean, it's a, it's a course no one wants to take, but I think there's, it's, it's, um, it's a fact of life in the media, legacy media at the moment. Um, this is the only other little piece of theory filtered in here. Um, if you look at, it, it is quite interesting if you look at how these leaders are approaching strategy, strategy is a big and much messier area of theory than leadership, but you can kind of break it down to three core activities of, that re- researchers address and that, that leaders have to attend to. One is to actually analyse the environment and come up with a plan. The second is to implement that plan, and the third is to get buy into that plan. And what you see is that for leaders of legacy media, they've they've been really... Stymied in all of these three areas, which explains, I think, why the strategy profile, the strategy activities, look like such a mess to the outside world. So the environment is very, as much is extremely difficult to analyse. So a lot of the tools and techniques simply don't work. You can't even define the boundaries. You can't define your competitors. What is Amazon? I mean, it's <coughs> ecosystem, all of its own legacy phenomena impeded the implementation of change and and it was very hard to get the culture to really accept what was going on so people uh, in a lot of legacy media the sense of urgency came much too late and you know actually one of the tenets of transformation <coughs> is until you've got a sense of urgency no one really changes so what we see is actually interesting in terms of strategic management at leadership level complete absence of traditional strategic planning a lot of small projects here using smaller consultants, and then a lot of coaches being used here. A lot of the CEOs I spoke to actually using coaches also themselves because these are difficult changes to make inside organizations, difficult on a personal level as well. Now innovation is clearly, it seems almost like innovation has become the new strategy. All All the activity in organizations that used to beat around strategy has now been transposed into the area of innovation. And a kind of Darwinism seems to have taken hold. Everyone feels, you know, we've got to adapt. And what's really clear is the kind of Google ethos, you know, experiment fast, experiment cheap, fail fast, capture the learning, has really taken hold. This is is what one hears all over. And this is a a, a fantastic quote from a female CEO who um, (coughs) was one of the first legacy print organizations where digital revenues outstripped print revenues. Yes, digital outstripped print, that's right. So our implementation strategy is do and learn, try and do it fast, try and do it cheap, try and do it quietly, keep it off the radar screen Chuck it out if it doesn't work and just learn. And as long as you learn from your mistakes or your failures, it's on the training budget, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, interestingly also, most of the CEOs I, I, I spoke to, there was, he, in this area there was a complete match between what theory says you should be doing to foster creativity and what they're doing. They really did understand how to push creativity in their organizations. And there seemed to be um, a set of... Uh, responses that were very common. First is understanding the power of putting together diverse groups of experts and allowing them to work on a problem autonomously. So giving them an innovation challenge, very clearly articulated, and leaving them to get on with it, not interfering, Um, ring-fencing them, so, so trying to protect them from bureaucracy, trying to really leave them alone to find a solution, irrespective of what the rest of the organization is doing. And, and a real clear understanding that, you know, the responsibility of the leader is, is to actually keep the, keep the organization off their back. And tough love, so very clear boundaries. So a clear sense, this is your budget, this is your time scale, this is the mandate. So not kind of open-ended innovation. And in fact, if you look at a lot of the kind of media majors at the <coughs> beginning of the internet, the Vivendis and the Bertelsmans of this world, Their innovation projects were incredibly open-ended, massively resourced and very open-ended and never really came to anything. So just kind of pulling this together, what does this really mean for leadership? Um, This was a a very reflective quote from a very honest CEO and to some extent it kind of summarizes (coughs) the challenge. So it takes a lot to recognize and really understand that we as CEOs are in a position that's somewhat and unique for the first time in 50 years, he's actually changed the personal pronoun here, but they have to accept that the skills and experience they have are absolutely value, zero value to their team <coughs> and managers and employees, and it's a very uncomfortable position. So, you know, the, the smarter, more self-aware CEOs are aware that the coming media world needs a very different type of leadership than, the, than their experience represents. So there's a kind of mismatch between the skills present in a lot of legacy media, CEOs, chairs, and what the organisation needs, and actually, interestingly, a mismatch between what what theorists and, and researchers are looking at and what the industry feels it needs. And this was actually quite a big finding from a theoretical perspective that... While theory at the moment is very much fixed on this issue of managing down, managing relationships inside the organization, motivating people, the CEOs I spoke to were seriously concerned about their ability to manage up and out, to, you know, to understand the emerging de- digital ecos- ecosystem, to work out what should their organization be investing in, which areas should they cut, um, where is regulation going, how can they talk to regulators. So I think this is, this is a big area that, that needs a bit more work on, on my side. In terms of a kind of leadership profile, um, quite a complex picture emerged, but in the end it felt to me like there's basically four hats that a leader needs to be able to wear. And clearly no individual can wear four hats, so that's another issue. But the four kind of dimensions of the role. The first is an ability as a strategist. And this, is, um, this term, the valley of death, came from, comes from Robert Bergelman and Andy Gove. Andy Gove was the founder of Intel. And they, they, I don't know if they still do, but they used to run a fantastic course on digital disruption, I think, at Stanford. And they've written some wonderful, I mean, they're quite old now, from sort of 92, I think, on, on the challenges facing legacy organization, facing these kind of technological paradigm shifts and and their concept, as I said earlier, the valley of death is you have to get from one side to the other before the legacy revenues give out and that's why it is so dangerous to be so slow off the blocks and if you look now, you look at the organisations who are doing well, the Guardian, the OFT, they started much, they started quite a lot before the other players so the other players could now have a perfect strategy but it could be a question of timing, they just left it too late. The second hat is the one that is the natural one for a lot of leaders in the media industry. They've come up through a content specialism. They've got absolute mastery of whatever whatever it is that organization produces. And that's around fostering creativity, building a product pipeline. It's an incredibly important hat, especially today because um, a strong product pipeline guarantees competitive positioning. It guarantees the revenues to, to make the changes you need to make. And it's also interesting, I think, because this is the area that the digital disruptors really can't get a handle on, the whole content area. They're, they're trying, but this is really the ace in legacy media's hand. So, so its I'm not at all saying it's less important than it ever was. It's, it's strategically more important than ever. The third hat is the one where most leaders feel least comfortable. It's the least natural. <coughs> area for leaders to deal with but this is really it's not so much understanding how to code it's more about understanding the basic technology trajectory and how organizations need to to, need to absorb that and adapt to it Um, how broadly how their products need to be migrated and how you need to set up organizations to be able to do that Um, two challenges here one it's an alien world this is this is really represents a shift from the world of words and pictures to numbers, you know, and, and the media industry has never really been about numbers. That's, those are other industry sectors. But also the challenge here is that bad leadership decisions here take a long time to become evident. You know, if you make the wrong decision in terms of a technology platform or a business area, it can be seven to 10 years before you realise that was a really bad call. So this is a tricky one, I think, to manage. And and it's also tricky because the investments are becoming massive. And, and the the replacement cycles are shortening. Um, And the last one, which is is incredibly important and and really sits very badly with the others, is the traditional governance role of corporate steward. And I think the challenge for media industry leaders is that they've actually got two whole different dimensions of, of governance to manage. One is all the traditional corporate governance that belongs to any leadership position. But the other is around the governance obligation as a contingent on being a media organization. You know, media has, all, has a kind of clear societal role, clear public good characteristics. And this requires a very different style of leadership to say being a creative hero. So if you look at Greg Dyke, this is, this is one of the things that tripped him up. He was incredibly strong hero. He was an exemplary creative hero. But this area requires um painstaking process work painstaking attention to detail careful stewardship of relationships with key external stakeholders Um, but actually if you if you if we look at sort of you know media leaders who have exploded in recent years gone down in flames it's often been neglected this area I mean even Rupert Murdoch with the Levison and so on this is this is actually the area it's it doesn't really fit in very well with the creative hero identity, but it's, it's a critical leadership hat. And clearly, no individual can wear all these hats. So one of the findings I'm finding is that actually, when one, one is looking at the leadership of media organizations, we need to look at the board as a whole and see, are these skills evident to a high enough level, to a, an appropriate level of expertise? and. And are there there kind of collaborative structures in place to let that happen? And in fact, the media industry has a very long tradition of collaborative leadership. If we look at just about any media media organisation at its peak, from Pixar to Walt Disney, there was a very harmonious collaborative leadership structure at the top of that organisation. Even Google, when Google grew three leaders with different skill profiles, so i mean coming down to being a little bit a little bit um prescriptive which academics shouldn't really do but um i think it's quite interesting you know what do leaders need to do to move these organizations forward and i think really it comes down to three key three messages and i think the nastiest one is that it is evidently clear that leading companies are seldom leaders after technology transitions. It's a very, very difficult call to extend a leadership position across a technology transition. Um, So don't underestimate that. And the difficulty is not actually building the new. It's normally relatively clear what you need to do. And if if you don't know and you're well financed, you can find people who can tell you. The challenge is actually escaping the old. And that's actually a quote from John Keynes. And legacy media actually are fantastically well resourced to make the transition they need to make. But you know, God is in the details. Nokia and Sony were also fantastically well resourced. So it's, it's, a, it's a much harder task than people might perhaps expect. So that's it from me. Thank you.